Good morning, everybody. Uh, how many of you have attended or been part of a VBS before, just to show of hands? Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. We've got Christians here today. Awesome. Um, I'm just joking. It's, it's honestly, I did it um, a while ago, and I didn't realize I was dreading it. I'm not going to lie. I was dreading it when I did it, and it ended up being the most rewarding part of church life, volunteering life that I've ever been a part of. So if you want to be a part of it, highly, highly recommend um, getting in touch with Johnny. Well, good morning. It's a bit warm in here, isn't it? It's a little warm today. How are we doing? We're doing okay? Okay. Uh, fortunately, um, I'm not going to keep you here too long today. I've only got like 30 to 45 minutes. So I'm just joking. Today, um, I have about 15 minutes with you all today. And uh, we have to get through 19 pass uh, verses of Scripture. So let's go. Okay. Uh, okay. So last week, Jace picked up where, um, or he didn't pick up, he started us on a new journey that we're going to be going through this summer, um, and we're going through the entire book of Philippians. And so if you're new and you're joining with us for the first time, or if you weren't here last week, highly recommend watching Jason's sermon last week. He gave a fantastic lay of the land of uh, the Philippian church, the city, the culture, how it came to be, the context. Um, Jace is a Bible teacher, so you really are going to pick up so many good nuggets um, from that. Uh, and this morning, we're diving into um, the next part of the passage, uh, where he's really starting to get into this letter that he wrote to the church. He's writing it from prison, and he's been in prison, um, some say, for up, could have been up to four years at that point. And he's writing to the Philippian church that he helped plant 10 years earlier. And by the way, he helped plant it by leading just one person to Jesus, Lydia. And from there, this fruitful um, burst of the kingdom came through just because of Paul's faithfulness. Um, but before I get ahead of myself, let's go ahead and pray. God, I thank you for this time that we have together. Although it may be short, I pray that you just bless us today, that you just come and be with us, that uh, even though I'm feeling a bit rushed right now, I want to get through it. I just ask that you help slow me down. I just ask that you rest, your presence rests on all of us, that we may be receptive to what you're calling us into today. And I just ask Holy Spirit, come. Awesome. All right, I didn't print the passage, so I'm actually going to be reading the scripture passage with you today. Okay. Um, all right, so we're going to be reading from Philippians 1, 12 to 30. Paul says this, And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they have as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely intending to make my chains more painful to me. 
Verse 18 says, but that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way, so I rejoice. And I will continue to rejoice. For I know that as you pray for me and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead me to my deliverance. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. All right, we're caught over there. Let's keep going. Do we have any more? Oh, no. Ah, there we go. For me, living means for Christ, and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ, so I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you will have more reason to take pride in Christ, Jesus, because of what he is doing through me. Live as citizens of heaven. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. I think that's it. Do we have any more? No? There we go. Wow. I mean, Paul can write. Um... One of the things that Jace mentioned in his last sermon that there's so much time and effort that goes into writing these letters that every single thing that is written from beginning to end has a purpose. And there's no mistake. It's not like he's free-flowing form, like beautiful poetry from the depths of his heart. He is, but he's also structured it in a way that's guiding us. And so this morning, even though there's so much packed into there, I only have a very short time, and I want to talk about two themes that run through this passage, and that's this idea of us suffering and having joy at the same time. A paradox, some would say. You see, Paul was suffering. There's no doubt about it. He was in prison for doing nothing other than preaching the gospel. He was living in a time where to be a follower of Jesus automatically meant you suffered and most likely were going to die. Um, and their commitment to Jesus would lead them into areas and territories and times and seasons that caused great distress and suffering. And for us, look, it's almost incomprehensible what they were going through, the the kind of suffering that they were going through. Us people living in the 21st century with a lot more than they had in a time when we are not being persecuted the way that they are being persecuted, it's hard to imagine living the way of Jesus when we're not going through that. And for them, that was central to what it meant to follow Jesus. So just to make myself clear, what I'm saying is that 
putting a sticker on our car that says, what would Jesus do? And getting a few weird looks does not mean we're suffering, okay? <laughs> to be honest, I honestly can't say how I would react in Paul's situation. But I'm almost 100% sure that I would probably be a little bit more scared than he was, a little bit more frightened than he was, and I'm, I'm not sure I would be seeing it as an opportunity to advance the gospel like he was. I might be trying, but I don't know if I would be able to get there. But even though I know that, I also know that Paul was human just like me. I also know that Paul was human just like you. And because of that, I know that Paul must have had moments where he felt lonely, where he felt isolated, where he doubted, where he was discouraged. But I think for Paul, after so many years of following Jesus, had come to recognize that he can have those moments and he can still know that Jesus was guiding him, helping him working out his salvation at the exact same time. And the more he suffered, the more he found out that he can be joyful in knowing that Jesus had already gone before him. He could be joyful in knowing that Jesus was already at work in those around him. Paul wasn't starting anything. Paul was simply recognizing and following Jesus in what Jesus was doing ahead of him. He began to see that when the world tried to stop him and do everything in its power from sharing the gospel and advancing the gospel, that that actually became a place and time when the gospel could flourish, where the kingdom could break through. He started to realize that nothing, and the last thing on the table before Jesus came was death, that not even death could stop him from sharing and advancing the gospel. There was nothing that could prevent him from being a witness to Jesus' kingdom, even in prison. And that's simply because when we attach ourselves to Jesus and his kingdom, we realize that no material possession, no job, no house, no amount of money, no amount of coffee can be compared to the, and the coffee is a really big one, by the way, it can be compared to the joy that comes in something that can never, ever ever be taken away from us. Nothing can take Jesus away from us. It's almost like a cheat code. I'm cheating a little bit this morning and I'm going ahead in the passage. So I really, I'm sorry whoever's preaching on this passage, but I'm stealing this for this morning. Paul, a little later on in Philippians 3, says this, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless. Because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. 
I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. The Spirit was working in and through Paul, through everything he was going through, through all the emotions he was experiencing. And he was, the Spirit was revealing the gospel of Jesus, showing and pointing him to the way of Jesus and ultimately the hope we have in being resurrected. That is the hope we have in Jesus. Sometimes, if we're being honest, as disciples or just people, we encounter this notion that a true test of spiritual maturity is how you're able to contain all your emotions, how you're able to keep everything at bay and pretend like nothing gets to you. This is not what Paul is going through. Paul is not ignoring his emotions and he's not trying to contain them. Something else that we might be doing is we might think that suffering means being unhappy, right? There's this false sense of spiritual pride that we can sometimes get in saying, oh, I'm suffering and I'm ha unhappy. That means I must be doing everything right, right? Wrong. Okay, just joking. That was intense. Okay. <laughs> it's okay to have positive feelings, and it's okay to have feelings that are uncomfortable. It's okay to have feelings that we want, and it's okay to have feelings that we sometimes don't want. Our problem isn't the intensity of our desire to experience joy. In my opinion, I think sometimes it's our inability to truly understand what joy is and actually to experience it. C.S. Lewis says this, if there lurks in most modern minds the notion that to desire our own good and earnestly to hope for the enjoyment of it is a bad thing. I submit that this notion is no part of the Christian faith. Indeed, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak, maybe. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling with, about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making and making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. In other words, human beings, some, as human beings, we sometimes settle for the table scraps when God is offering us a banquet. Sometimes, and I'm not trying to promote prosperity gospel, hear me now, but sometimes, sometimes we can think and act as if there's only a little bit available to us. For Paul, he was able to embrace his suffering on a deep way because he was also able to embrace the joy that comes with being the disciple of Jesus. A deep, abiding joy that doesn't negate other emotions, but brings them in as part of the life of joy. 
So I want to make two quick points today to end off. Number one, suffering is real. Okay, I want to acknowledge that. One of the worst things we can do as Christians is to help people bypass suffering. And I see it all the time. When, okay, I want to preface this. If someone that you love has lost someone in their life, sometimes saying, oh, they were, they're in heaven isn't helpful. And sometimes maybe it's a response to our own uncomfort. Un uncomfort. But as Christians, we are called to embrace suffering because suffering happens to every single person. To different degrees, yes. But we can't escape life without suffering. Suffering happens to all of us. And acknowledging it is the first step. Paul was not able to suffer by himself. He was, had to. He did not have a choice, but he also chose to suffer with community. In verse 19, he says this, For I know that as you pray for me and the Spirit of Jesus helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. Paul did not suffer alone. He suffered in community. Not only that, he depended on his community in his suffering. Some of the people that I trust the most are some of the people that I know have suffered the most. And I don't think that's a coincidence. Attempting to avoid our suffering is a form of suffering. We're all going to suffer. If you're not suffering now, one day you will suffer. Here's what I will say. And this is simply a theme that I've heard many times, especially from Christians that have gone before me that have been through a lot in life. That theme, the theme is how and in and through their suffering, they have grown closer to Jesus and they have understood Jesus' suffering in a deeper and much more clearer way. I've heard them say, I think I'm starting to understand what Jesus was going through in the Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane. Oh. I think I have some idea of what Jesus was going through on the cross. We have a God, like we sang this morning, that has gone before us, suffered for us. We have a God who knows exactly what we're going through. And we have a God that understands everything that we're going through. We have a God that walks with us through everything, doesn't abandon us in our suffering, and gives us the Holy Spirit to walk with us. Okay, last point. Joy and suffering can exist together. I want to say that they don't always, but they can. The great mystery and paradox of the Christian life is that we can be joyful in and through our suffering. It's in the Bible. 
I can, I can do a PhD probably. There's been thousands of PhDs written about this topic. And I can't tell you this morning the exact reason how this happens, but it does. None of those PhD theses have done that either, by the way. It's hard to explain, but it's part of the Christian life. Paul is in prison, and he did nothing wrong. Nothing. Did nothing wrong. He's not experiencing any type of self-inflicted suffering. He is being persecuted. He's being denied his freedom. Big topic here in America. <laughs> Kept in jail for four years without trial. He has suffered, and he has suffered hard. Yet, and he is full of joy. I'm going to give you one answer, okay? And you're going to be like, that's the most Sunday school answer ever. And I was like, I know. That's why we have Sunday school. That's why Johnny is so good at his job. And that is because of Jesus. I can't say more than that. Everything Paul has done has been for Jesus. Jesus has come into Paul's life, changed him, transformed him, so that he can experience suffering and joy at the same time. Okay, to end, I want to preface this by saying, sometimes we don't feel joyful when we're suffering. I am that 90% of the time. Okay, and sometimes when I do feel joyful, I think I'm detaching, so it's weird. Trust me, as someone who veers towards the depressive personality type, okay, and I fully embraced the emo lifestyle in high school, and I still do. I just don't have long hair anymore. I have pictures. If you want to see pictures, you can come up afterwards and ask me to see them. I had a red fringe, black hair, straightened. It was amazing. Amazing. Um, and as someone whose job is to literally sit with people who are suffering and most of the time not experiencing joy, trust me, I get it. Sometimes it's really hard to find the joy in the suffering. But what I want to encourage us with this this morning is that our goal is not joy. We don't find joy in joy. Our goal is Jesus. Cling to Jesus, friends. Cling to him with everything that you've got. He understands everything that you're going through. There's nothing you're going through that Jesus does not understand. The only possible way to find joy in suffering for God is through Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the end game. Jesus is the end game for us. Jesus and his mission to advance the gospel. All right, why don't you stand with me this morning? Uh, I'm going to invite the ministry team up. I have... I felt like God put a couple of questions for us this morning. And that is, are you suffering this morning? Do you feel like you are going through a season of suffering?
Do you feel like you are feeling isolated and alone? And that what you're going through, no one will understand. Well, I want to say Jesus understands, yes. But we have a community around us that can try and understand and listen, cry with you and be with you. And the last, the last, one, the last question is, I just had a sense that there might be some in here that might, have feel, might be feeling overlooked and forgotten. I think sometimes in our culture today, we can be maybe a little bit too hesitant not to get involved in people's businesses because we don't want to offend them. We don't want to overstep. And that's a great attitude to have. But sometimes, as a result, people can feel forgotten. We can feel left out. We cannot feel seen. So I just felt like God just put on my heart this morning that if that's you this morning, we have amazing people that can pray with you. Turn to someone next to you and be like, I need prayer.